27 and can be found on page 1094 of the Church Bibles. So that's Acts chapter 2, verses 29 to 47. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him an oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah and that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many words he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptised and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Thank you very much, Claire. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Gareth. Uh, I'm one of the ministers here. It's great to be together. Uh, when I was growing up, one of my favourite TV programmes had the following characters in it. Wolf, Lightning, Jet, Rhino. Anyone know what TV show that is? Gladiators. Yes, straight in there. Gladiators. Very exciting. It was a, it was a, a game show where... Uh, you had these ridiculously muscled people, the gladiators, uh, challenging, being challenged by members of the public, basically, who were the contenders. Uh, and it was really exciting uh, watching it as a kid. Uh, and before each event, the referee would shout the same thing each time. Contenders, ready. Gladiators, ready. There. It's go time. It's about to happen. For us here at Christchurch, we're at go time. Jesus said to us last week, go and make disciples. Go. If you've been coming to Christchurch for a little while, you may well know that we are in a period of uh, reviewing and refreshing ourselves with three circles. Three circles. The first being me and my father, our individual relationship with God. Uh, the second circle then being my father's family, that is my relationship with the church. 
And now we are at the tipping point from moving from that second circle into the third circle, our Father's world. And if you like, we are those poised to think about, all right, what does it look like to go out? We've thought about what it means to be in relationship with our Father, to be in relationship with the people. Now, it's go time to go out into the world. Some of us might be quite excited by that. I know many of us have been looking forward to thinking about outreach. We feel for our town, we want to get out and we want to reach our neighbours and our colleagues, the people we walk past uh, day by day. Maybe other, others of us feel a little bit different, a bit apprehensive. It's been lovely thinking about my relationship with God in my own house. And okay, a bit of a stretch, but it's been nice thinking about church. But the thought of going out and taking a message to people who, quite frankly, probably don't want to hear it, otherwise they'd be here. Are we ready? Christchurch, ready? Well, as we think about moving from the second to the third circle, we're, we're going to be doing a little bit of looking back and a little bit of looking forward. If you're a, a visitor here, if you're a guest, it's a bit like if you've joined us by helicopter on a walk. We've got to a little mountain peak and we're looking back and we're looking forward and you've just joined us for the day. Uh, you're really welcome. It's great to have you here. Uh, but obviously there'll be a little bit of a, a sense of, oh, that's where we've been traveling uh, and I hope that encourages you. And as we look forward... Uh, from God's word. Are we ready? Are we ready? We're in Acts 2. This is our final uh, sermon in Acts before we move into a new series, which I'll tell you about in a little bit. Uh, here, verse 14 of Acts chapter 2, Peter is addressing a large crowd. The apostle Peter, who has seen Jesus risen from the dead, addresses a large crowd, we're told. He's raising his voice, and he tells them, Lots of things, but we pick out just two basic things by way of recap. Firstly, verse 23. What does he say in verse 23? He talks about Jesus. Acts chapter 2, verse 23. This man, Jesus, was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. Fact number one. Jesus was crucified. And he's talking to the crowd who had, uh, only a few days before, bade for Jesus' blood. Jesus is crucified, Peter says. And then secondly, verse 32, Jesus rose. Peter says, God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are witnesses of it. He's saying, me and the other apostles, we've seen this. We saw Jesus come back. We, we've talked to him. We shared a meal with him. We touched him. He's back alive. So those are the two basic facts. Jesus died, buried, and now he's risen and alive. And his conclusion is there in verse 36. Let all Israel be assured of this. Let everyone know this for, for absolute certain. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. That's his conclusion. Jesus Christ, or Jesus, is both Lord and Messiah. If you're new to Christian things, this is the gospel. If you ever heard that word, the good news, the message of, Jesus, uh, the message of Christianity, the heart of it. That the man, Jesus, is both Lord and Messiah. What do these words mean? Well, Lord, we're probably familiar with that. It's the idea of ruling, being in charge, the Lord. Uh, last week we saw that Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He's the boss, he's the ruler. And then the Messiah, that's another word for Christ. We, we, that's why we call Jesus Jesus Christ. It means the chosen king. 
In the Old Testament, God said, someone's coming. I, I've chosen them. And this, Peter says, it's Jesus. This person who you've been waiting for for ages, it's Jesus. He is both Lord and Christ. Uh, just in passing, a couple of people had um, asked questions last week about some of the language we used to talk about Jesus. Uh, it was an all-age service, and I was using the language of boss to talk about Christ. And there was a, a good question. Does that sort of demean Jesus because of earthly bosses? Quite a few of us know an earthly boss is not perfect, whether we are one or we have one. Is it all right to talk about Jesus in that sort of way, or, or does it downplay him? Well, actually, we can see here that Peter uses earthly language, if you like. A lord, a lord is someone, well, he's not the only lord. And we in England, we have a house of lords. So in a way, Jesus is like those people. He has authority, but he's not the same. And when King Charles is crowned, yes, Jesus is like him. He's the king, but he's not like him because he's the king of kings. So the gospel message, the good news is that Jesus is the king of kings. He's the boss of bosses. He's the lord of lords. He rules. And only this gives him his due. Only this gives him his due. Nothing else does. You can't say Jesus is a good guy, full stop. He's the Lord. He's the Messiah, the one that God has made these things. So if you're, if you're not a follower of Jesus, and that might be you if, even if you come regularly, you're interested in Christian things, you come, it's great to have you. Here's the heart of it. Jesus is the Lord. He is your Lord. The question is, are you going to live that way? Who are you following right now? You're following someone. We thought about that last week. You're, you're following someone's rules, someone's voice. Who is it? And how do they compare to the Jesus who died and rose again? Who loves us, who made us, who sustains us? That's a question for you. All right, now that's the gospel message. The crowd ask the really important question in return in verse 37. Brothers, what should we do? And that's exactly the right question. When you hear that someone is the Lord and the Messiah, oh, that means I, I need to be different. What should we do? Well, what should they do? And actually, that's a question for us today, whether we're Christians or not. What should we do? We're thinking about getting ready. You might just put it on the screen. Oh, they're all up. Okay, well, it's not supposed to appear all at once, but that's what, it's going to spoil the surprise. We can take that down. <laughs> I mean, it's not a great surprise, let's be honest. Ready. Spelt R-E-D-E. Ready. We're going to see how we can be ready as we think about going into the third circle. Uh, the rare R-E comes from verses 38 to 41, and the D-E from 42 to 47. So RE is from verse 38 and DE from verse 42. So Peter's been asked, what, what should we do? And here is the RE in verse 38. Repent. Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. Repent. Now, now what does it mean to repent? What does it mean to repent? Well, Peter's saying, look, we, we live for something. We all have a boss. We all have something that is our Lord. But Jesus is the Lord, the Messiah. So to repent is to be going this way. Repent. I've now realized that Jesus is the Lord and the Messiah, and I must go this way. That is the only thing that makes sense. That 
That was for this old Lord. But repenting is realizing the truth and turning around. Repentance. And the first, if you like, sign or seal of that is being baptized to say, yes, God has changed me. He's broken into my heart and I'm going to be baptized as a sign that I have now turned around. I am turning around. I've decided to follow the Lord. Re, getting ready, re is repent. And it's a one-off thing. It's a, it's a total change of your life. If you talk about becoming saved or becoming a Christian, it's that moment, that turning around. Re. All right, what about D then? Repentance, a one-off action. What's the D? Well, D is in verse 42. What do these people do? They devoted, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, so what was said, to fellowship, being together, to the breaking of bread, to eating with one another and sharing communion, and to prayer, to praying together. In short, church. They devoted themselves. They threw themselves into church. Devoted. Re, D. Repentance, a one-off. D, a devotion, ongoing. And do you see their first and second circle? If you like, the, the repentance is a turning back to God and saying, or turning to God and saying, yes, you're the Lord. At first circle. And then the devotion is actually to God's people. Second circle. First circle. Second circle. And I think that's there, isn't it? We, we don't want to force our models into Scripture. We pray that our models are actually informed by Scripture. I think we can see it there. All right, but let's just push that, take that on a step further. Because how do they link? How do they link? Now, I'm going to do something I don't normally say, I won't say very often, is I don't only want you to read a paper Bible if you have it in front of you, because there's a problem. It, it's here. If you can bring this up on the screen, there is a picture of this somewhere. Next one, there you are. I include my finger just so you can see what that looks like. I also found out that when you take a picture of your finger, it just looks weird. What I'm pointing at is the gap and the text in bold. You see, again, if you're new to Christian things, when we read the Bible, almost everything in there is what's written by the original authors that we hold as being the Word of God. But what's happened as, uh, because we needed it, someone has translated it to us, uh, for us into English. What they have also done is then add some reference things. So all the little numbers, if you look at the, you can see it on there or a Bible in front of you, there's lots of little numbers, aren't they? Aren't there? No, those numbers weren't added in by Luke, who wrote Acts. They are there as reference points added later so I can say, oh, look at verse 20, and you can find 20. And also that little heading, the fellowship of the believers. Now, Claire didn't read that for us. And the reason is, that's not what Luke wrote. It's just there by the editors. So if you're flicking through the book of Acts, you think, I'm sure the believers meet at some point. You can find it. It's really helpful. But when you are then looking at the text, actually you kind of want to put those numbers and those headings to the side. What they do here is they break apart something that Luke hadn't broken apart. Do you get that? There's a gap in, on the paper Bible in front of us, and, and there's some text. Now, if you just jump onto the next screen, please. This is what it looks like without that. Now, I might say, what's well, the same words? But just, just have a sense of how, how the feel. First circle, repent, into second circle, devote. So verse 41, those who accepted his message repented, were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles. Do you see? Repentance flows into devotion. 
It's not a new thing, as it were. One goes into the other. I think this is really, really important. You might sometimes come across Christians who say, yeah, I've repented. I'm going God's way. I don't have much time for church. Now, of course, there can be a lot behind that, question, that comment. And churches can be incredibly difficult places. Not because God has wanted it that way, but because as we've been praying, we are sinful and we make mistakes. And when we get power, that magnifies our sin. But the Bible does not portray Christians or becoming a Christian as a moment where you just become a solo warrior. No. Repentance into devotion. Verse 41, which is an abstract, like an imposition on the text, is not there. It just flows through. Repent, devote. Now, probably by definition, people who think that aren't here today. But maybe you know someone like that. A Christian friend who follows God but hasn't got much time for church. Maybe here's something you could pray for them. Something you could encourage them in. If you've got a really good relationship, you can find a way to challenge them on. It is not healthy to be a solo Christian. Repentance, devotion into church family, throwing ourselves into it. As you read on in Acts, you find out this group of people were not perfect. They lied. They cheated. They overlooked one another. It's not perfect, but repentance into devotion. All right, thank you. That can come down. That's first circle into second. But what about second circle into third? What about second circle into third? Well, this time, happily, you don't have to take any pictures. It's just there in verse 47. What are they doing? Actually, just go back, verse 46. So every day, every day, these Christians were meeting together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Did you see that? Second circle into third circle. Church meeting together and people coming in. People becoming Christians. It's not an artificial break. It's not a brand new thing. Repentance into devotion, devotion to outreach. It just comes together. It's a bit like um, shoulder, arm, and hand. Right? Shoulder, arm, and hand. If I talk about my shoulder, you know I'm not talking about this bit. You can distinguish the three parts of my arm. And yet, I'm very glad to say, they're a package deal. They come together, and I hope they always do. If I pick something up, is it my shoulder doing it? Well, no, but yes. Because if you take that bit away, everything down, downwind of it is useless. Repentance, devotion, outreach. You can't reach out unless you know God yourself. And we see here, we can't reach out as Christchurch unless we love one another and are devoted to each other. One into the other into the other. So as we come into the third circle over the coming weeks, it's not get rid of everything else, forget everything you know, turn it off, begin again, raise, uh, bring the building to the ground as it were. No. We are ready for the third circle if we are those who are repented, have repented, and are devoted to one another. I actually find that very encouraging because it means any progress we have made counts. I've been really encouraged by talking to many of you about how God has been working in your heart or in your small group. It's brilliant to hear. I'll tell you one thing that encouraged me this week. You probably won't guess what it is. Uh, CCH News. 
CCH News. I, I don't put CCH News together. And I was just, I just flicked through it. Uh, most of the stuff I knew about, it wasn't a surprise. But there was just something, when I was reading, I thought, yes, this is, this is so good. There was um, a link to a video we would, we'd put together discussing some questions people had raised following last week's sermon. And those questions were great questions because they were coming from a heart of, what is the teaching here? What does the Bible say? Who is Jesus? People cared about the apostles' teaching. That's why we put that video together. A devotion to the apostles' teaching. Uh, there was a, a women's walk, or two actually, that happened yesterday, being advertised. People wanting to meet together on a day off from church. They could have done anything. And people wanted to meet together, to fellowship together, to walk together. I imagine they shared many things. There was another thing, not, not by a member of staff, just a member of the church family who's organized this come together. I think it's on Saturday afternoons. So just come together, meet with church, be together. There's some food there. I think it's mainly for the kids, but I'm sure if you ask Gerard, he'd give you a biscuit. There was another thing in CCH News asking for prayer requests for the children and young people we have going through exams. We know how hard it is for the kids, don't we? The stress and pressure that is on them. And people want to pray for them. In this church, people want to take time out of their lives to pray for others. Devotion to the church family. That is encouraging. That is happening. That is happening. None of those things where, all right, we must do this to be devoted. We, we must show, we must prove to ourselves that we're going God's way. No, these things are just coming up naturally. So we can be encouraged. I was encouraged. And I hope you are too as you look around the church. We're not perfect but we are making progress. We're a work in progress. And of course, we'll feel that. We'll always be in progress. We've still got a way to go and a way to grow. I'll give you one uh, concrete example. Um, I think it was during Acts, the last time we were looking at Acts 2. Uh, one of the applications was that we might aim to come at 10.20 rather than 10.30. It's really helpful for the service starting on time um, if most people are sat down, that sort of thing. Now, we said quite a lot about it at the time, uh, but just a headline, uh, this is not a place to be judgmental. Totally fine. We always want people to come. However you, however you come, come. Uh, but that was a, I think that, was a, a, that message landed quite well. People seemed, no one threw anything at the time. And the next week, everybody was in by 10.30. Not a, I, I couldn't help but notice the next week. Nobody came after 10.30. And I was, I was encouraged by that. Apart from the thought that maybe someone reached the top of the drive at 10.31 and thought, I can't, and they just went home. Now, I hope that didn't happen. But the week after, everyone came. And people were saying, yeah, this is good. We want to we come. It's, it's good. Of course we want to be here. But what's happened? Over time, it's just drifted back. It has. I'm, I'm not watching people. Just we, we notice it, don't we? We notice it. What are we to make of that? Let's just see that cultural change is hard. Habits are hard to break, aren't they? And they have a kind of gravity to them. It takes a lot. Have you ever tried to turn over a new leaf? I've turned over so many. I'm like a tree on rotation. I was aiming to get here for 10 o'clock today. I got her at quarter past 10. All right? It doesn't matter, actually, when one person walks through the door. That's not relevant. But from our cultural point of view, most of what we do can most people be here by half past? So we're, on, we're starting. It's hard, isn't it? We get distracted. We forget. If we're asked about it, oh yeah, I want to do that. 
Uh, we have, uh, I don't know how, how um, global this is. We, in England, we have, uh, Britain, we have the story of the hare and the tortoise. It's not, it's not from us, it's probably Greek, isn't it? Hare and the tortoise. I don't know if you're some, somewhere else, you're, you're familiar with this fable. Um, but the story of the hare and the tortoise is very simple. The hare and the tortoise have a race. The hare's like a rabbit, a big rabbit, really fast. And so the hare shoots off dust. And the hare's like three quarters of the way around the track. Checks his watch, thinks, I'm making such good time, I'll have a nap. Lies down by the side of the road, falls asleep, and sleeps, and sleeps. And the tortoise, very, very slowly, carries on. Doesn't stop. Overtakes the hare. Hare's still sleeping, tortoise finishes the race. Are you a spiritual hare or a spiritual tortoise? Are you a spiritual hare or a spiritual tortoise? What were the first Christians? Verse 46, every day. That's tortoise language. Every day. Every day. I feel like it today, I'll do it. I don't feel like it today, I'll do it. Every day. I think I've waved it before. We've got these bookmarks with the Lord's Prayer on. And Jesus it gives us a daily prayer. Give us today our daily bread. It's not a prayer for once a week or once a year. Give us today these things. Spiritual tortoise. It's not glamorous. No car has ever been named after a tortoise. What is a Harpenden hare? How do Harpenden hares operate? Well, I don't think they're like the hare in the story. Harpenden's not a sleepy town, is it? It's not a lazy town. No, a Harpenden hare is, is running along very, very fast and then remembers it's got some emails to check. And so it runs and it kind of has a tablet out and then it remembers it needs to do something else. And then it remembers there's another good thing. And before long, the Harpenden hare is running in lots of different directions all at once. And when you're running a race, that's not a good idea. Is it? It is very easy for all of us to get called away by the good. Here's a good thing. Oh, yeah, that's a good thing. And here's another good thing. Yeah, that's a good thing. And we forget the best. We forget what Jesus has called us to do, that he is the Lord and the Messiah. And he says, here's my people. Devote yourselves. Throw yourself into church. Not just church on a Sunday, but church life. The way maybe you message people, the, the people you stay in touch with, church, as well as the way you pray, the way you meet. Spiritual tortoises. And maybe some of us here feel like more like tortoises than hares. We look around at other people and think, how do they manage so much? Well, be encouraged. If you are plodding on every day, you will make progress. Because you are using what God has given you. He's given you church. He's given each of us church. I need church just as much as anyone else does. Maybe more so. We need one another. We need one another. So are we ready for the third circle? Well, have we repented, turned to follow Jesus as Lord and Messiah? And are we devoted? Have you thrown yourself into church family? Or maybe you had once and just you're taking your eye off it. Don't try and jump the middle step as we get excited about outreach. Don't try and jump church. 
think, well, if I, if, I, if I skip church on a Sunday, I can do more outreach. No, God has given us a pattern here. Repent, devote, reach out together. And we'll be doing that as we go on to our new series over the coming weeks. Uh, Phil Hammersley, as, uh, who's been leading our service, uh, is one of the, my colleagues, a minister here. And we, as the elders, have asked him to take a lead on this third circle for us as a church. Uh, that's in reflection of his gifts and recognition of how God has been using him. And also in his formation and his time with us. We really want to give him something substantial in church that he can oversee and, and lead as we pray that one day he might do that uh, in a church somewhere else for the blessing of that church and that town. And Phil has chosen, uh, we don't need to flick to it now, Matthew chapter 10. I encourage you, go home and read through Matthew chapter 10. It's hard. Jesus sends out his disciples and there are hard words in there. I've been allocated some of those passages and I'm thinking... That's going to be tough. Are we ready? Because if we are ready, then we are ready to hear Jesus' words to go out. Just uh, something to flag up, as maybe we've, um, this particularly for those in church um, regulars here, we haven't made any big changes in the light of these circles yet. We haven't made any big changes in church life. Because we want to go through them first to think, well, what, what is God saying to us? What has he said to us to process that, to pray it in, to seek his will? We haven't made any big changes. We've had a youth review, but that was going to happen anyway, and that's been uh, based on feedback from uh, children, families. But we will make some changes as time moves on. Uh, one thing that we've been sitting on for a little bit, because we didn't want to distract from the circles, but now feels like the right time, is um, it's, def it's just a structural thing. It's called Church Suite. Uh, some of you will know if you've been in Christchurch for a little while, we did have another a church management system. Uh, it didn't uh, always work so well for us. And actually, we feel like we're in a different space. So we've um, had this new thing called Church Suite in the background. You may have noticed getting emails from Church Suite. And if you're tech-minded, you thought, oh, what's that? Um, it's just a, a, like a database, basically. And it lets us communicate with each other a bit better and um, have lists. And you can upload your data. And we can use, use it to do things like registers and look after um, children safeguarding better. And we feel now is the right time to bring out Church Suite. So I just want to flag it up to you. Um, you'll get emails in due course. Uh, and the point of it is just to help us be devoted to one another, kind of organizationally, that we don't overlook people. It'll be really helpful. Um, so look at it as just a way of loving other people. It'll really help the staff particularly. But I, I think actually you'll see the benefits, uh, whatever your involvement in church life is. I'll just take a few moments to get your profile set up and that sort of thing. Um, so uh, look out for an email coming to you um, in due course. Thank you so much to those on the deacons who are uh, working very hard on it for us. We really appreciate your love and care. Thank you. Now, that's not from the heart. That's, that's just a help. That's just a help. It'll help us communicate to one another. But as I wrap up, I just want to launch actually from the idea of what one of the things that Church Suite can do is it can send out text messages. I think that's right, if we enabled it. Now, now, let's just say we did enable text messages, and you, you have um, ability to allow that or not. You know, we're not going to spam you, not like the 3 o'clock thing this afternoon. You've got an option to uh, easily say no thanks. Let's say we set up text alerts, and you subscribe to text alerts when someone becomes a Christian. When someone linked to Christchurch becomes a Christian, that's your text alert. And you signed up, and there's nothing. Nothing. For ages, nothing. You think, well, we've repented and we're devoted, we're, we're, we're growing together, but there's nothing. 
But then one day, ping, yes, yes. Someone somewhere in Harpenden has just bowed the knee to Jesus Christ. Someone. And we're excited and we pray and we give thanks. And the next day, ping, two, two in two days. And the next day, ping, and the next day, ping, someone somewhere in Harpenden becoming a Christian. Someone who's never been to church before. Ping, ping, two in one day. People who have much, people who have little. The young, the old, and those in between. People from this country, people from somewhere else. The happy and the sad. Ping. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Can you imagine that? And as you imagine that, doesn't the Holy Spirit in your heart move towards that? Doesn't he say, yes, that's what I want? That the angels will be rejoicing day after day over people in this town becoming Christians. Friends, family, colleagues, neighbors, known and unknown, every day. That isn't something we can just grab at. There's no button you can press to make that happen. But God has given us a way to be spiritual tortoises. As those who have repented and followed Jesus, to be devoted to one another, to encourage each other, to pray for one another, to strengthen the arm of each other. Tell me, who, who are you praying for on your street? How's it going with that friend you, you invited and they've pushed you away? How can I pray for you? Every day, the Lord added to their number those who are being saved. We do not control the results, so we are not under pressure for that. But let us be spiritual tortoises. Let us be spiritual tortoises, praying together, devoted together. As the musicians come up, we're now going to sing a song that reminds us what we rely on as we look to be devoted to one another. It is not by the strength of our will or the gifts we have. It is by God's grace that Jesus came to die for us, that he rose again for us, that we could be, as those who are forgiven, have the Holy Spirit in our hearts, living for him and reaching out to the town. So please, let's stand and sing together.